0: Hey, everyone. Today, we wanted to introduce you to Jennifer Slattery's latest podcast, Thriving with Chronic Illness. In it, Jennifer shares her own battle with chronic illness, walking alongside you with the resources and support you need to thrive in your life. If you or someone you love struggles with chronic illness, we hope that this show encourages and equips you to live a thriving life. To listen to all of the Thriving with Chronic Illness episodes we have posted so far, Just head over to lifeaudio.com. Here's episode one on the stages of grief and embracing all God has for you. Thanks for listening.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Thriving with Chronic Illness podcast. For some of you, that might sound like an oxymoron. Maybe you feel like you're doing anything but thriving. In fact, you might feel as if you're barely hanging on. You might have moments where you wonder if you even want to keep hanging on. I get it, I have fibromyalgia, and for a time I was engaged in an intense battle against colitis. Though my intestines are largely calm for the most part now, It appears fibromyalgia has come to stay. I'm your host, Jennifer Slattery. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm a ministry leader, and I battle chronic illness. As a result, there have been times when I've been angry, I've been sad, I've been frightened, I've gone through a period of depression, but I've also been so grateful. I've been encouraged, I've been inspired, and I've experienced hope. I'm not going to claim that I have all the answers, but I'm going to share how God's come alongside me, how he's held me through the heart, how he's given me strength when I feel weak, how he's helped me shift my view off of myself and my temporary role or roles in a healthy way and help me grab hold of and celebrate every win, how he's helped me really to lose myself in a story that's beyond me. And Today, we're going to be talking about the difficult, often discouraging, but necessary and freeing journey to acceptance. It's that place where we recognize where we're at and we learn to make the best of it, to grab hold of every blessing that God sends our way. And in our route to freedom, to that place of thriving, we might experience various stages of grieving. We might go through a period of denial and anger and depression. We, we might start bargaining with God before we really reach that place of acceptance. And we might even go through those stages numerous times. And our loved ones are probably going to go through those stages as well. And I don't know what that journey will look like for you. But I hope that together we can grieve well. We do need to grieve. And I hope that we can grieve well. I hope we can grieve with Jesus. That's how we grieve well, when we grieve with Jesus, by staying close to him, with our eyes on him, our hearts connected to him, surrendered to him, because he loves us so deeply. And he truly will lead us to life and light and hope. But, first, a bit about me, like I said, I'm an author I'm a national speaker, I'm a ministry leader who, at times, act as if I have ants in my pants. That's what my husband says. But other times, I might spend an entire day in bed, or I might have to sit on a bar stool to put on my makeup or to cook dinner, and honestly, I don't talk about that part a lot on social media, and I can pretty much keep it hidden. When I'm going through a rough time, but not through this podcast, I'm going to be pretty real. And I can get worn out after an afternoon of running errands or sometimes just cooking dinner. Grocery shopping can wipe me out. And thanks to the fatigue and the pain of fibromyalgia, sometimes, sometimes normal activities can be just a bit too much. And I suspect a good number of you listening know exactly what that's like. This chronic pain syndrome that I experience it's considered very common and I suspect even more common than probably medical professionals realize because just not everybody is diagnosed quickly, not everybody seeks medical diagnosis and plus many of you listening have multiple health challenges. Some of you have been battling illness for years, if not decades, and so you've kind of maybe reached your new normal. Some of you might have been battling this for decades, and maybe you feel a little stuck. Others are maybe just beginning to come to terms with what will likely be a lifelong battle. Maybe you just received your diagnosis. Maybe you're just starting to seek out a diagnosis. And still, others of you are fighting that reality with everything within you and every dollar you own. You are in full on denial mode. That was me for a few years at least, although I'm not sure I can accurately measure how long I just kind of languished in the denial stage, mainly because initially I didn't really have a clue what was going on. So I was officially diagnosed with colitis in 2011. That was lymphocytic colitis, not ulcerative. And I now, like I said earlier, I consider that to be mainly a non-issue as long as I kind of watch what I eat, I do pretty good. And I got, I started really receiving, experiencing heavy fibromyalgia symptoms, kind of progressing during that time, but significantly a year later. But looking back, I can see that I struggled with symptoms of both conditions for years. I just tracked my stomach issues up to a bug or maybe something I ate. And and my pain and my my fatigue, I thought maybe I had pushed it too hard when I was exercising, or maybe I had a nutritional different deficiency caused by overtraining. So I used to participate in road races and sprint triathlons, running and biking and all that sort of thing. And I wasn't always smart about handling long runs in the heat. In fact, I can be a little stubborn. And so I would intentionally sometimes go in the midday when it was really hot, just so I could train myself to deal with it. And so one night I was convinced I, I was having significant full body muscle pain. And I was convinced that this was caused by lack of magnesium. I don't know why I got that in my brain, but I did. So I ate an entire canister of almonds. You can imagine how well my inflamed intestines responded to that. My denial phase was defeating. It was expensive and it was time consuming. It occupied so much of my time and energy. I was constantly searching the internet for that next cure. And and I'm pretty sure I tried them all and everybody gave me lots of advice and suggestions. And of course I tried all those as well, sometimes multiple times. And I didn't just try them. Like I obsessively followed them. I spend, spent hundreds, if not thousands on protein shakes and naturopath appointments only to get sicker and thinner and supplements like I was constantly buying supplements if if I found something that somebody else had in some kind of anecdotal way had said had worked for them I tried it and I just kept losing more and more weight and the thing is I had started out pretty muscularly solid like I was routinely training. So I had low body fat already going in and so I was just losing muscle, muscle that I couldn't afford to lose. And every time after I would talk my husband into shelling out more money for that next supplement or that next diet plan or whatever it was that was going to suddenly make me feel better and but only made me feel worse, then I felt worse emotionally as well for numerous reasons. First, I so wanted to believe that every claim the company selling whatever that was whatever i was buying into i so wanted to believe their claims and and that i was going to it was going to work for me i was going to get better and so i would begin dreaming before i had even clicked purchase i began dreaming of what my life my day my experiences would look like once i returned to the running biking hiking strong woman i had once been like in my mind who i was and my emotions were constantly ricocheting from hope to defeat and sorrow and then back to hope. And every time my hope would rise only to be dashed, then my sorrow just felt all the more intense. And I, and I began to feel kind of like an idiot. And and second, not only was I not contributing to my family at that time, not only did I often feel like a burden to them, but I was costing us so much financially. And that stung. But stepping away from our culture's fix everything with a pill or a diet or some kind of supplement mentality, that felt like quitting. That felt like giving up. And I just got to tell you, I am not a quitter. But then God used a series of scenarios and situations to help me see that I was robbing myself of life more than my illness ever could. I wasn't writing all those stories that God had placed on my heart. Instead, I was reading health articles. I wasn't laughing with my family and enjoying whatever time I had, whatever energy I had with my husband and my daughter. I was too obsessed with myself. And my self-obsession was making me miserable. And all my attempts to fight off this invisible monster wasn't doing me or anybody else any good. And in my in, in my denial, in my fighting to change my reality, I'd lost sight of a few things. First, I had forgot that God was in this, He was with me always, and He's bigger than my illness. He's loving even when life is hard. And he formed his plans for me long before I received my first diagnosis. Now, first, I want to say there is absolutely nothing wrong with with trying to get healthy. There is absolutely nothing wrong with taking supplements and eating well. I do that now. I follow the paleo diet, and I think it has just done wonders for my intestines, and I try to be as healthy as I can, and I try to exercise. So I'm not saying that, but I was caught just in this cycle where I was grasping onto what I wanted my life to look like trying to force what I thought my life should look like instead of really resting in God and and seeking him and and his plans for me and like I said I I be, he showed me that his plans he formed his plans for me long before I received my first diagnosis so Psalm 139 written by ancient Israel's second king a man named David it it just proclaims the depths of God's love, of his care, and his steadfastness, of his sovereignty, and his, his guidance. And, and I'm not sure when he wrote this passage, but here's what I do know. King David understood emotional and physical pain. He understood what it felt like to feel helpless. I'm sure he constantly wrestled with a desire to fight for control rather than choose surrender. But more than that, and here's what's key. He knew God. He knew God intimately and deeply. And his knowledge of God and his trust in God won out always. This is what he wrote. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my my past am I lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Now, if we were writing this in light of our current times and in light of our chronic illness, we might say, Lord, you know, when I'll stay in bed or will it, when I'll experience a sudden burst of energy, you know, my next doctor's appointment, you know, exactly what it's going to look like, you know, that family function that's coming up that I don't want to miss. You know, when I cripple myself with self-pity and when I overextend myself in pride, you know, my fears, my hurts, my concerns, my dreams, you know it all and you see it all. And so going on in verse five, he said, you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Now that speaks of God's protection, of his provision and his blessings. He stands behind us. He's ready to catch us when we fall. He goes before us. He levels the mountains and breaks through bars of iron. He walks beside us as our constant companion, our ever patient father, our most faithful and present friend. But here's my favorite part. Verse 16, speaking of the moment, God first knit ourselves together. He said, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. So one afternoon, I was bargaining with God, or more accurately, I was trying to convince him of my logic, of my, my plans, and all the ways I could serve him so much better if I wasn't sick, if he would just heal me, I could just do such a better job for him. I was convinced. And so to understand, I struggle with significant and consistent leg pain that can make standing, especially standing for any length of time, a challenge. And though I do travel the country speaking and teaching, I also need to heavily guard my rest. And after an engagement, I may spend considerable time sleeping afterwards and just resting and staying off my legs. And my pain tends to increase in the evening. So I naturally avoid events that occur after 8 p.m. And traveling, some of you probably can understand this, can cause my pain level to steadily climb. There's just something, the the less, so it's kind of a, the more I move, the more pain I can experience, the less I move, the more pain I can experience. There's kind of like a happy medium in there somewhere. So, When we drive anywhere, we have to take numerous stretching and walking stops. Like every hour and a half, pretty much, I need to get out of the car. I need to move. And this can be really frustrating for anybody who travels with me. Our 12-hour drives can easily turn into multi-day trips where we have to stop in hotels because I've just stretched that day's travel out so long. And so often I'm just like, Lord, couldn't you see how inefficient this is? Like, couldn't you see how more efficient I would be if I didn't have pain? If I could just get in a car, I could drive from A to B, and I could do my event, go to the next event, it would be awesome. Now just imagine, God, like this is what I kind of am bargaining with him about. Imagine all the studies I could lead, the books I would write. Imagine the service projects I would engage in if you would just heal me and bring me back to my triathlon running days. So that was kind of what was going through my my prayers, my my mental prayers this particular day when I'm in I was in my bargaining stage and but then and I'm sure it was a realization birthed by his holy spirit, I realized If I really believed God was all-knowing, sovereign, and true, if I believed, as Ephesians 2.10 says, that he created me anew in Christ Jesus to do the good works, which he prepared in advance, I'm going to say that again, which he prepared in advance, well in advance for me to do, then that meant I could do precisely all he desired. I could live his purpose for me fully in the middle of my illness. Everything he has assigned for me in this stage of my life, I can do in my current condition. That was a game changer for me. And it helped me move from fighting my reality to seeking God's guidance in the middle of it. And I want to say that one more time. That helped me move from fighting my reality from, Lord, if you would just fix this, if you would just change this, if only this supplement would fix this, it helped me move from that to seeking God's guidance. Lord, What do you have for me today? And as I did, he began to birth within my soul, such deep joy. And he helped me see that in many ways, it was because of my illness that I can serve him most effectively through this. He's taught me compassion. He's, he's taught me how to ask thoughtful questions to really listen, to be alert. Like I can tell when someone's in pain, I'm hyper alert to that. And I'm going to ask them, Hey, are you hurting? So, and I don't know if I I don't think that was even on my radar before. And also my condition helps to negate a fatal flaw, one that is much more destructive than any illness I might acquire and that's my pride. I I struggle with pride and honestly, having chronic illness helps to alleviate that. It helps me to stay alert to Christ, more attentive to his guidance, and definitely more dependent on him. And there is such power in that. Denial ultimately leads to self-reliance. And self-reliance always distances us from God and his plans for us. I'm gonna say that again because it's so true. Denial ultimately leads to to self reliance. And self reliance always, always, always distances us from God and His plans for us. Now, I'm, like I said before, I'm not saying He never calls us to make healthy choices, but He calls us to do so from a place of peace and wisdom, not fear and desperation. He's helped me to move from fear and desperation to peace. wisdom. And I am no longer stuck. I was stuck before. I am no longer stuck. And that's huge. About a year ago, I encountered a friend who started dealing with chronic illness around the same time as I did. And like me, she had tried at least half a dozen cures and she had been so convinced. Each one of them would work. And, and I saw the obsessiveness develop in her before I began to recognize it in myself. And in many ways, God used her to provide kind of like a mirror to me. I saw myself in her. I saw who I didn't want to become. And, and it seemed like every conversation she and I engaged in turned to her health how she was feeling, how she was trying to get better. And and I got the sense that she herself, not Jesus or the cross, not his holy mission, dominated her thinking. And that struck me as so very sad and such an enslaving way to live. I didn't want that for myself. I didn't want my world to shrink like that. So I began choosing life, a life Beyond me. So, about four, maybe five months later, we went different directions, and we didn't see one another for some time. But then, maybe about a year ago, our paths crossed once again, and we started to talk. And less than two minutes, actually, probably less than a minute into the conversation, she again began talking about her illness and and a new cure she had learned about, and that she was trying. And I realized that she was still there. She'd become stuck in the denial phase. And it struck me, like I said, as sad, not just for her, but sad for her family as well. I was sad for her kids whose world was now centered around mom's illness. I was sad for her husband who likely missed her joy and laughter, but mostly I was sad for the legacy, the hope-filled legacy she was not leaving. So how can we avoid landing in that place? How can we avoid getting stuck? whether in denial or depression or anger, whatever stage along our journey to acceptance. Not feeling isn't the answer. That simply causes all the emotional gunk to get shoved down, clogging our hearts. And suppressed emotions always come out. And they often come out as rude or snarky, snarky comments or maybe body increased body aches and, and increased anxiety as as offense, as frustrations and irritabilities. And that's one of the reasons we must diligently guard our hearts, as Proverbs 4.23 tells us, because everything, our words, our actions, our emotions, stem from our hearts. When we have a pure heart filled with life and light and truth, regardless of how we feel physically, life and light and truth will flow from it. When our hearts are clogged with anger, confusion, and despair, we are going to emit the same. And that's why we need to learn to feel with Jesus. And it's important to recognize we can grieve without feeling despair. We can grieve with hope. We can even grieve with joy because true biblical joy, as I've said before, if you've ever visited my faith over fear podcast, true biblical joy isn't an emotional response. It's a deep abiding and enduring realization that God is with us, that he is good, And that he is and will bring good out of our situation, our illness included. And we can hold tight to that truth. We can believe that truth because we know God is true. And in Christ, every one of God's promises is yes and amen. So sometimes on our journey to healing, to thriving, yes, we must grieve. We must grieve what was to grab hold of what is. And we probably also must grieve countless expectations, dreams we've formed for our lives, for our families, so that God can birth new dreams within us. But know this, he does have new, amazing, hope-giving dreams ahead because he is the dream giver. And so when we grieve, we grieve with Jesus, we grieve with hope, and we grieve in truth. Many of the Psalms show us how we can do that. We turn to God in prayer. We tell him everything we feel. When we're mad, we tell him, and we tell him why. We tell him that this stinks, that it doesn't feel fair, and we simply let him hold us. We learn to feel in a godly manner, directing our anger and our sorrow onto sin and our longing for heaven. And let me explain. According to scripture, God created a wonderful pain-free world, free of sickness and death, a literal paradise. And he created mankind to live in that world in perfect relationship with him and one another. But sin entered into God's very good creation, bringing with it sickness and sorrow and death. Chronic illness then is ultimately caused by sin. And I want to be clear, I'm not saying by our personal sin. I mean by the overall brokenness that first entered the world way back in Genesis chapter 3. And because of that, all of creation groans, as in childbirth, Romans tells us, anxiously awaiting the day when God will make all things right and eradicate pain and suffering from our lives for good. That's what our longing points to, our promise of heaven. We know in our hearts life is not supposed to be this way. And we're right, it's not, nor will it always be. But for right now, we're stuck in the hard. All of us, and let me assure you, all of us, we all have hard. Everyone is suffering from cancer, multiple sclerosis, disabilities, mental health challenges, the death of loved ones. Everyone feels the weight of this broken world. But for those who belong to Christ, may our hope ring louder. I'm going to say that again. May our hope ring louder. And if we're going to obsess about anything, may we obsess on the cross, on the price Jesus Christ paid to set us free. Our illness may slow us down, but it doesn't have to enslave us. Instead, we can progressively advance towards freedom. And we begin by getting real with God and spending time, regular time in his presence. And once there, we need to listen. I don't know how long your journey will take. I don't know how long you'll be in every stage, if you'll hit every stage. And, and I don't know how long you'll pause along the way. But God who formed you, knows you, loves you, has a plan for you, and purchased your freedom. He knows. He'll show you. He'll show you step by step. But you'll need to listen and you'll need to yield. Put your desire to obey him, to glorify him above everything else, even above your desire to feel good, even above your desire to be pain free. And I know that's hard to hear. Trust me, that's hard sometimes for me to hear. It's a constant challenge to myself and filter everything through the lens of love and grace. First, God's love and grace for you. Absolutely. Because it's there always but also your love and grace for others. Because grace received, which we have received grace upon grace in Jesus Christ, and grace received should result in grace lived out. And this is something I have to continually challenge myself to. Scripture tells me, above all, I'm to love God and others with everything that I am. So how can I do that today in this bruised, weakened, and hurting, broken body? I believe that's God's challenge to all of us. And I want to pause right here for those of you who struggle with a fear of insignificance. And I get it because chronic illness can can prick at all of our insecurities. If you struggle with a fear of insignificance, I want to encourage you to visit Life Audio and you'll find my Faith Over Fear podcast. And, and in that podcast, there is an episode on how to deal with the fear of insignificance. So I encourage you to listen to that. And, you know, this is such a heavy, complicated topic. I feel like we could spend an entire episode on each stage of the grieving process, each pit stop on our journey to acceptance. And for sure, in the coming episodes, we're going to touch on this subject again. But for now, I want to leave you with a simple action step. Spend regular time with Jesus. Just get real with him. Tell him how you feel. Ask him to show you his heart. Ask him to show you his heart for you, for your family, for the situation, for your illness. Just ask him to show you his heart. And ask him how he wants you to respond today. Not next year, not next month, but today, right now. What does he have for you right now? Is it just to sit with him longer? Then do it. Is it to write a note to a friend? Then do it. I know he will handle everything and everyone else. Just listen to your savior, your guide, and your friend. And thank you for listening. I hope it was an encouragement to you. If so, I would love it if you would rate it. Make sure to share it. And and please come back. We are going to be talking about how to thrive with chronic illness. We're going to be talking about depression, about how to make healthy, how to set healthy and live healthy boundaries, and so much more. You can find me online. Just Google my name, Jennifer Slattery. And I would love to connect with you on social media. You And again, you can find my Faith Over Fear podcast on lifeaudio.com. So, Just process prayerfully. I encourage you to process everything we talked about today. Go in peace, go in grace, and go in impact. Because though you might be sick, your life is not over. God still has so much good for you and for you to do.
0: Thriving with Chronic Illness is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed this episode, would you take a minute and leave us a review in your podcast app? It really does help more people like you find the podcast. To hear more from Jennifer Slattery, be sure to check out her fantastic site, holyloved.com. This episode was produced by me, Kelly Gibbons, and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more podcasts like this, head over to lifeaudio.com.